So Jim, what do you get when you combine the color pink, manufacturing, and ERP systems? Quite frankly, none of those appeal to me at all. Manufacturing does. I, I'm not a big. You just don't like the color. Pink? I'm not a big fan of color pink. What was the third thing again? Well, ERP systems. Oh, which well, you yeah, do like I, ERP systems. Yeah, it's it's changed our business for yeah. sure. So it's kind of fun. But Paul Van Meter from Pro Shop ERP, who's been on the show many many times, oh, yeah, he created friend. this new website called LoveYourERP.com. So if you go to that website, it's a cool website. It says grab some tissues and hear the love. And I would just suggest that the Metalworking Nation just go to the website and check it out. It's it's really cool. It's got some nice graphics on it, lots of hearts, lots of pink, and lots of manufacturing. What's the takeaway? Go to loveyourerp.com. Okay, I'll do that. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined at the Zenger's studio with my co-host, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? I'm well. How are you? Good. I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I know. Well, you were out for the last episode we did at our headquarters at Rockford. in Rockford. Yeah. And then I was out and you guys recorded a couple without me because I was right. feeling That's right. I forgot well. about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just couldn't make it out to Rockford. I was busy. I get it. And, yeah. you know, you guys were able, you guys are closer. So yeah. it's a long drive from Chicago to Rockford. It so really I, is. I was confident that you guys could produce a great episode. So I and wasn't we did. too worried about it. And you did. And I was, it was, I was funny because I was able to meet up with Andrew, Justin, and Jessica later that night because they came into the city and oh, that's right. they came yes. out and we, we had some dinner and, and a drink. So, so that was kind of fun afterwards. Awesome. And then we got to talk about it. So Jim, how would you like to peer into the future so you could prepare your business for what is coming? Would that be nice? We try and do that often. Like we said, you know, in the intro for ProShop ERP, what if you appeared in the future 15 years ago, would you have thought that your ERP system would be so important to your business? You probably no. would have said no. How long? 15? 15 years ago. I, if you would have asked me seven years ago, I, would never, I right. couldn't even have answered that. And your that. dad would have laughed at you. My dad would have laughed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in this episode of Making Chips, we're going to discuss trends affecting the future of manufacturing in 2021 and beyond. Interesting. What I did is I put together about 25 trends. So there's a lot of them. And I think that these are going to really change the way you lead your manufacturing company. And I think that they're worth talking about. I'm not going to say that every single one of these trends are going to affect every single person, every single company, but we should talk about these things and they should at least be on your radar as far as things that you're looking into in the future. I think that's good. Let's do it. Before we jump into that, tell me something great that's going on with you. We hired another a shop floor guy. He started this week, just a couple days ago, really working out well, and I'm excited. That's two new guys in the last three weeks we've hired. So the other day we were preparing for our production meeting and I saw these people coming in the office and I'm like, who are all these people? And I'm like, yeah, they're our employees. I know the feeling because we just hired four people. Wow. We've got one starting today, two starting Monday, and then another another guy that just started like about a month ago. And I'm really excited about it. Is it here or black or both? Uh, both. Okay. Both. Yeah. So it's good, you know, and we just we just closed a new account, new integration. We're installing about four vending machines at a new account. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. So, you know, things are yeah, things are looking good in twenty twenty one, right? Oh my God. Beyond 
our expectations for sure. Yeah. You yeah. got you got vaxxed. I'm all vaxxed. Yeah. Completely I done. I got a first vax. Yeah. I, actually, I got to be honest with the Metalworking Nation. I, I think I shared that I had COVID last October. Did you? I don't know if I did, but I'm sharing it now. But you you had very, very mild I was symptoms. fine. I mean, I actually exercised while I had it. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, died from it or, or you know, died from complications associated with it. And, you know, I was able to manage my symptoms and I did have it last October and I isolated myself for a week and, you know, and I was fine. And But I I wasn't going to get vaccinated. Until your wife put the hammer down. Until my wife put the hammer down. I mean, I never, but I never get, like, I never get the flu vaccine. Neither do I. Neither do I. Got I got the flu vaccine only when my wife was pregnant. Yes. Because she asked me to, and I was, you know, so I, I did everything that she said when she was pregnant, and she asked me to get the COVID vaccine, and I really didn't want to, but at the same time, I wasn't, like, strongly against it either, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And I did it. Good. They had a big thing at Wrigley Field. And so I just walked over there. and With an appointment or without an appointment? With an appointment, but it was really easy. Now you can, it's walk-in. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of interesting. My entire team at Carr is nearly all vaxxed. And my wife and three kids. My daughter may not be. I don't know. I can't I can't. But you know, one them. of the things is I think a lot of people have... You know, this episode isn't about getting COVID vaccinated, but, you know, a lot of people have strong feelings for, against, and some people are indifferent. And, you know, I think that we all could be just respectful of everybody's opinions as far as these things go. Totally. We and, have to you be. Know, and, and we have to be. And, you know, I even told my team, I was like, you know, we're not mandating people on our team get vaccinated or you could like that you could but i i'm i'm not doing that no and i just you know feel like people just need to make a a personal choice you know i know there's probably a lot of doctors out there that are like oh no you have to get back you know but i don't know i just i'm not like that kind of person you know yeah no let them do what you feel like you said i've never had a flu shot either and you could potentially die from the flu right right you could potentially yeah. are we gonna lose listeners over this conversation yes <laughs> So let's stop now. Okay, let's move Let's on. get on with the show. <laughs> let's get on with the show. Okay, so we're going to discuss these trends at a rapid pace, Jim. I've got- Trends at a rapid pace. Okay. Yeah, so 25 trends that are going to- Do you have all 25? I've got them here. You better cook it through. I'm watching the timer on this show. All right, but I want your input on these things. So it's 25 trends. I've put them into four- Buckets? Four buckets. So I've categorized them into four six in each one? places. No, it's not like that. So the four buckets are business models, people, the world, and tools. Okay. And when I talk about tools, I'm not necessarily- talking about cutting tools. I'm just talking about, you know, just tools. tools like software tools or could be yeah, any kind of tools. Any kind of technology. So let's start with business models. I know you like you like definitions and you know, so do I. I like looking up definitions. Structure, structure, like structure. Yeah. yeah. So do you know the definition of agility? I could not recite it. No. Okay. So agility is it's part of agile being agile. Yeah. It's the ability to move quickly and easily. Yeah. Okay. So and I think that if 2020 proved anything is that as a society, we can make changes quickly. And I think that our clients in the metalworking industry are not going to deal with a lack of agility in the companies that they partner up with. So I think that that's a trend that is going to affect things. I know for me as like a as a cutting tool distributor, my clients are expecting me to resolve their problems quickly and to just take care of things quickly because they have those same types of pressures on themselves. And so they expect the people that they partner with to also be agile. Are you seeing that same thing? No. Your I'm customers not. are not demanding that you that you respond quickly and that you're, you know, agile to their needs. They are, but I well, our business models are a little different. Of course. Yep. 
you know, we have to manufacture precision machine parts for the aerospace industry. So I think there's a lot of different credentialing that we need to do in advance of even starting to work with a client. Oh, that would preclude yes. the agility? So well, how does that affect your clients that don't care about that? Being agile is the ticket to doing business. Well, that's, you know, but Jim, you have always been agile. Yes. There's a lot of companies out there that maybe haven't been. And I think that they need to, you know, wisen up to being more agile. Here's the thing as far as agile. We find the customer, we find the prospect, we call it dating. Mm -hmm. When that first level of engagement starts and then... After the first date, we get the quote, the RFQ. We've checked all the boxes. We're AS9100. We're ITAR registered. We have five-axis CNC machining. We've checked all the boxes. Now we get the RFQ. We typically, being agile, we have to respond and get them an RFQ back to them 24 to 48 hours based on how complex the quote package is. But then after that, it kind of gets a little muddy with regards to delivery and everything. So it's it's a different kind of agility. It's a different game. Well, we're seeing, a lot of, we're seeing a lot of opportunities because of our ability to show that agility whereas right. our competition is not able to do that. But I just think that this is going to be something that is going to be more prevalent in the manufacturing industry. People are going to expect answers. And even, even if you're not expected, Jim, you're probably expecting that of the people that you're partnering up with. Right. Well, I'm definitely expecting it of Amazon because if I can't get my order in 24 hours, what's wrong? Yeah. What do you mean you can't get it in 24 hours? And you're hours? expecting it from Zengers. Yeah, I, yes. As a matter of fact, I am. Yeah. yeah. So the second trend is I'm seeing a widening gap between manufacturers that do low complexity and manufacturers that do high complexity work. And I think that I've seen that in your company too. I think that you've definitely made a shift towards more high complexity work and probably away from some of that low complexity work. Right. Without a doubt, for sure, because we, we just appeal more to that type of client. And I think that, you know, that's going to become a dividing line in the jobs you take on and the type of company you are, the type of people that you hire. I think that there's a there's a place for companies that do low complexity work. And I think that there's a place for companies that do high complexity work. And it's going to affect who you hire. I think that the hiring process. The hiring process, because yes. as we want more people to come into the manufacturing industry, they're not going to start out on a five-axis machine making a highly complex aerospace product. Right. But they need to start out somewhere. So they need to start off in that low complexity space and they need to be able to produce those parts quickly and accurately. And then as their knowledge increases, move up to, you know, maybe working for a different company like yours, like yours that works on more highly complex work. We actually talked about that in that last episode with Equity Machine Works, where he talked about the fact that, you know, he's going to be focusing on those low complex parts as opposed to the high complex parts that you're doing because because he's going to be hiring an entry-level worker that's getting trained in the industry. You're absolutely right. And I think that there's companies out there that they can maybe see a thriving business model by just working on the low-complex work, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can make money doing that. You, you that's can. What you're no, on. Whenever you decide what your business model is, you just have to go for it. Exactly. So I'm just seeing that widening gap is, is what I'm saying. And I, I'm not going to comment in depth on each one of these 25 because we'll, we'll no, never get done. We'll never get done. Okay, number three, very few things are a secret. So you and I mm. have been talking about this for, for years. No more secrets. No more secrets. Your dad and his peers... You, 
how oh they God. used to operate. Hide everything. You know, but I think that this trend has been accelerated. And I think for the new generation, they're used to a lot more transparency. Yeah. I still cringe sometimes when a salesman comes in and they see our customer base or I'm still a little guarded because that's what I grew up with. I've shed about 85% of that guarded ability, but believe me, it's still there within me. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this has been one of the reasons why we started our new business model where we sell our tools at cost. And you know, there's a lot of transparency. And also, you know, if you look at a lot of manufacturers' websites now, they actually list some of their biggest clients on their website. Yes. And you talk about some of your biggest clients too. You never would have done that six, seven years ago. No, our site's going to have all of our major clients on it. There you go. The number four trend, which is probably the trend that I can talk about the least, but I know it's going to affect the manufacturing industry, is 3D printing. I think that the technology is going to accelerate, and there's a lot of money being pushed into the 3D printing arena. Yeah, you know, I think this has been, this technology has been slow to come to fruition. We've been talking about 3D printing for at least a decade, right? But it's becoming more popular. It is becoming more popular. I think there's the right fit for it, but I definitely agree with you. Over the next three to five years, that is going to really amp up and we're going to, they're going to be able to print in much more closer tolerances. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you see a lot of these trends, like even the adoption of laptops or the adoption of computers. You just have a certain period of time where it just spikes. You have exponential growth. Right. It's going to be the same thing with EVs, with electric vehicles. Totally, Jason. You know, and I think I see the same thing happening with 3D printing. Number five trend and last in the business models category is outsourcing for efficiency and expertise. I think that as we find it more difficult to hire new people and as we want to make our people more efficient, I think it's just going to be easier to outsource a lot of the things that we do. And that could be anything from, you know, I know from my perspective, you know, there's clients that outsource their tool crib management, or it could be you're outsourcing your preventative maintenance. It could even happen with robotics. I know that there's a company out there that they'll even place the robot on your factory floor. They'll use their expertise to figure out how to you know, integrate that into your processes as efficiently as possible instead of you buying the robot and you using your internal team in order to do that. Yeah, you can outsource basically anything, engineering, machining, finishing, accounting. Yeah, we just hired a fractional yeah, CFO. I know you did. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. You you need that. An accounting yeah, CFO yes. firm. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so now let's talk about let's talk about people. So number 6, diversity. We just talked about it a lot in a previous episode, so we don't need to go into detail on this. Jim and Jason have been proponents of women in manufacturing since the very beginning of making chips, and we we truly believe that those trends are going to positively change our industry, you know, diversity of backgrounds, different ideas, solving problems easier, different perspectives, very important to the manufacturing industry. I've said this many times before on the show. During the time that I was the chairman at the Tooling and Manufacturing Association, I said, I want the most diverse people at that table because I know if we collaborate with a diverse group of people, we're going to get the best solution to any of the you're, problems. You're and that has actually been quantified. Yes. In that book that I've talked about on the show, Humanocracy, they talk about how the best of the best CEO is always going to be inferior in decision-making to a group of 
people that are throwing out, you know, a diverse amount of ideas and then making the best decision on that. Right. So that's why you can't single-handedly put all of your decision-making into one person. Sure. Number seven, workforce aging. So if there's one thing that we all have in common is that we're getting older. Some people are wearing it better than others, but we're all headed in that general direction of getting older. Am I right? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm getting older. You're getting older. You know, I feel like I've aged 10 years in the last three. And a lot of it has to do with stress, but that's not what we're talking about here. But aging workforce is definitely a trend. It's going to be an issue with a lot of Especially in this industry. Yeah. With a lot of knowledge retiring, it's going to be an issue. Tribal knowledge. Tribal knowledge. Right. Absolutely. We need to figure out how to transfer that knowledge. As a bonus to this episode, I've actually got an idea as far as how to do that and maybe something that you should think about in the future, Jim. What are you saying about the aging workforce is that is a trend it's a trend so what are we what are we going to do to mitigate that that's a good question jim and i think it's a massive trend and it's going to come in just more of a sizable shift than what we realize and i think we need to figure out how to handle that knowledge transfer that's the biggest thing is the knowledge transfer there there is something to be said about the quantity of people that are retiring but i think we're trying to backfill that with the trend of more people coming into the manufacturing specifically people being lifted out of lower paying jobs to work in the manufacturing industry helping you know which also is going to you know help a lot of our poverty issues you know here in the united states so i think that that's the biggest thing is like the, is that knowledge that tribal knowledge as you called it transfer got it thank you number 8 drug use so we've also talked about this on a previous episode of making chips, but so you think this is going to be a trend in manufacturing drug I, use? So what I'm talking about is just general trends that are going to affect manufacturing. Oh, are you talking about prescription drugs or illicit drugs? I'm just talking about like the legalization of illicit drugs. So you know when I walk outside in Chicago, I mean every once in a while I can smell it. Like I'm outside walking no around kidding. with my kids. It's very and, common. You know, yeah. So. But that, I think, is something where... Do you think that's an issue? I think as a manufacturing leader, you need to figure out how to handle the you know, proliferation of, of drugs in, you know, that, that's out in society. I don't know specifically how big of an issue it is, but it's something. You know what I mean? It's something. Okay. So you need to figure out, like, you know, it, maybe it's only an HR issue. I guess specifically it is. It is an HR. There's no question. It's an HR issue that needs to be dealt with. So you're you're just talking about the legalization of cannabis. Well, I guess that's the biggest thing. You know, because you said legal. Yeah, we're not talking about you know meth drug use. Well, I mean, you could call alcohol a drug. Absolutely, you know, hundred percent. So the question is, so if you have somebody on your team who is always coming in hungover and late. That's an issue. You know how to deal with that. Right. You know what I mean? But how do you deal with someone on your team that is affected in some other way by, you know, either legal or illegal drug use as that is becoming more socially accepted? That's the question. And I don't have an answer for these things. No, I'm neither just saying, do I. It, I'm just saying it's a trend that is in somehow going to affect manufacturing. And I think that it more... It's going to affect every industry. There's no okay. question. You're absolutely right, Jim, but I think it affects manufacturing in a different manner. And like one of the primary manners is safety. Okay. We've got to be cognizant of workplace safety. And I think that, you know, drug use as it, you know, starts becoming more socially accepted, how do you manage that in view of, you know, the safety requirements that you have? That's a whole episode onto itself. A lot of these are. Yes. Number nine, workplace conduct. So this is kind of a interesting one, but do you remember the old days I do when you used to walk through a shop and they used to have, you know, posters on guys' workbenches and stuff oh, like that? Hell yes. Those days are over. For sure. And I'm just going to say this. If, if a manufacturing leader out there, if you, you know, tolerate having that type of poster on your team's 
toolboxes and stuff, you probably need to think about that. You probably need to make some changes. But I know like here, we have mandated sexual harassment prevention training. So I had to go through and I had to take my team. You did the same thing, I believe. We had to take our teams through, you know, sexual harassment prevention training. You can't just say, you know, don't walk through our shop because the guys have, and I know I'm being, you know, kind of generalizing this, but it's, it used to be it just used recently. to be really rampant. It used to be really rampant. Yeah. Really rampant. But it's just, we're, we're evolving as an industry. And I think that the new generation is a little bit more reserved with regards to that. I, I don't think that everybody has that anymore. And you know, you probably still see it though. You, you could. You learn from your peers, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a, an influential young machinist coming into a shop and he sees the old guys, you know, with penthouse or playboy or hustler magazine pictures on their toolbox. Right. So he thinks that's the norm. So it's just the way, you know, it's, it's all about parenting or mentoring. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to see what everybody else is doing. They're going to follow suit. If we extract that from our culture, it's going to go away. At least it's going to go away in our respective businesses. And I'm not saying this is this is the only issue that I'm working on talking about. It's just general workplace conduct you yes, need to be more workplace. cognizant of. But I have a really funny story. Go ahead. So we're getting ready to move. And in the men's restroom in the shop. Of the new shop? The old shop. Okay. I have a professionally framed poster, the infamous poster of 1976. Do you know who that is? Of 19, no. 1970, Farrah Fawcett. Oh. Beautiful woman. I mean, just stunning, right? And that was like the epitome of what a beautiful woman looked like, and people idolized that in 76. So I I framed it. It it reminds me of when I was 16. Okay. So I hung it in the men's restroom in the shop, and it's professionally framed, and it's nice, and it's not gross. It's just, just she's in a bathing suit. Okay. And I said to the guy at our production meeting, we're talking about the move. And I said, what are we going to do with the fear of faucet? <laughs> Nobody wanted it up anymore. They said, we can't have that anymore. Good. And I was, I was shocked that nobody wanted that. Yeah. And I really respected the fact that they- They said something about they it. They said something and said, nope, we don't need to do that. That's an HR thing. There you go. Okay. Number 10, people problems. So I've had discussions with a group called Workplace Chaplains, and I know that there's some manufacturing leaders out there who are also partnered with them, but I know that there's a lot of shifts in priorities out there. So like, I think people, it used to be back in the day, and you remember this, where particularly men, and I I guess I'm going to you know, just say it like it is, used to go to work and then they come home from work and they just didn't really interface with their families too much. You know what I mean? You probably saw that with your dad. I know my wife's dad was Was like that. One of those for sure. What we're seeing is- He used to tell my wife to get up and turn the station on the TV for him because he couldn't do it. Because once he got home and sat in the lazy boy, that was it. Exactly. So that's changing. And it's for men in particular, I think women have always been more balanced in their approach. I'm I'm just going to, you know, say it like it is. Men are becoming more balanced now. And- I agree. You know, your priorities are shifting away from work into the home- in a more balanced manner. And I think what that means is that some of the problems that they have at home are going to affect them more in their work environment, such as, you know, days off or just their attitude being shifted because of what's happening at home. And they're, and, and I would say that the newer generation is expecting their employers to more to have more empathy for what's going on in their home life. I agree. 
And I think that's going to affect things. And, you know, the reason I mentioned this workplace chaplains is it's just it's a way for you to introduce a partner into your into your business who can help you to provide that empathy and even, you know, solutions to your workplace when you have those types of issues. Number 11, employee safety. So. I want to introduce this one with, you know, a a gentleman that's no stranger to manufacturing and industry, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. So he has this stance right now, which he's calling safety third. So during the days of COVID, we were operating in a safety first environment. And, you know, it's like shut down the economy. Safety has to be number one. And Mike Rowe has pushed back on that and said, you know, for the history of people, We've never put safety first. We've always taken risks. And he had a whole show that was based upon people getting dirty and taking workplace risks in order to do a job, to do a dirty job. But I think that while I agree with Mike Rowe that safety should not be number one, I think it should be very important. And I think it's becoming more important in the workplace. I'd come, I'd come into the shop in, in high school and my dad would say, see that over, that piece of stock over there? Yeah, take it to the vertical bandsaw and cut it. So I did. No mask, no eyeglasses. You know what I was cutting? Asbestos. Seriously. <laughs> the sun is cutting asbestos with no mask on. You never told me about that one. That's Seriously. Good. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah, safety's come a long way. So safety, I think, you know, sanitation and, you know, is also becoming very important. I know for us, you know, during like the height of COVID, I mean, we were sanitizing and washing. I mean, we, we never stopped coming into the office. There was a lot of companies out there, non-manufacturing who, you know, they're coming back to the office for the first time, but you and I, and most manufacturing leaders never stopped going into the office. No, we, and no, so we never stopped at all. And so we've been sanitizing and cleaning very rigorously. And now that things have kind of opened up and masks are coming off and stuff like that, I still told my team, I still want to keep cleaning and keep the workplace sanitized right. and healthy and everything. That's going to be a paradigm shift. Yeah. In yeah. our in our culture, just Absolutely. in our in, a, in just what we do and how we clean. Absolutely. And I think just the whole notion of restrictions. So, you know, I think we're going to restrict visitors more. For it's an excuse. safety, it, and it's kind of an excuse, yes. but it's also a good excuse to you know to a certain degree. So number twelve, work from home and lower hours. Yeah, you know this kind of goes back to that notion of you know having more balance, where work is not the number one priority. Your family and your home is is your number one priority, and I believe that with this new generation. They really have more of a balance. And I think that, you know, those work from home requests, maybe lower hours are going to become definitely a a bigger trend in the future. I agree. It's 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 changed even a lot in the time from when my kids were young to where they're at now. Well, it's been 25 so or more. But yeah, I definitely see. But I mean, you might even find a time where, you know, Ryan goes to you and says, hey, dad, I want to only go into the shop. I want to work from home on Mondays or something like that. He's already mentioned it. Oh, well, there but- you go. <laughs> and then you didn't even tell me that. So that's interesting. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but he's mentioned it. But at least he said he's more efficient. And you know what, Jim? I would. I don't believe that. I would probably agree with him. You just have to make sure that there's, you know, a system in place to manage that. You know what I mean? Sure. So, sure. and we could talk about that maybe a little bit more in the future, and maybe we can have Ryan on the show to have a discussion about it. Because cool. you know he is, you know, one of the voices of this new generation. He sure is. You know, one of the other things I was just talking to, you know, Tom Sanger, my you know applications guy, and we had a lunch scheduled, and we we're just like, we don't have time. Like, we don't have time for these long lunches and stuff like that. And so even that's coming into play 
play where like those things are becoming deprioritized. I mean, think about the old days. I do believe that there's going to be another shift very soon to redeveloped social intimacy again. I, I believe that as humans, we crave the social intimacy. Mm-hmm. You can't have all these... All work from home. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. But in manufacturing, that's not even a reality. But maybe for like your office workers, it could be a reality. Yeah. But I, my team wants to see each other. Right. So I think a hybrid approach is going to become a lot more common for manufacturers. Good. Number 13, culture, culture, culture as a differentiator. I mean, we've talked about that all the time on Making Chips. I mean, Big advocates. You know, there's going to be a, a big shift for those manufacturing leaders who focus on their culture and really put an emphasis there as far as you know the type of A players that they're attracting to their companies. I agree with that 100%. It's changed my business and it was born from this show, from us talking about it, yeah. learning about it, interviewing people yeah. that had great core values and they were explaining the process of how that works. Absolutely. Number 14. So now let's move on to a different category, which is the world. So what I mean by the world are, these are you know trends that are less controllable by us, more extrinsic. What? Extrinsic? What extrinsic. I don't know what that means. Not part of the essential nature of someone okay. or something coming okay. or operating from outside. Got it. Hopefully I'm using that word correctly, but it's, you know, like when you have more external forces Sounded going good. on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, yeah. if somebody wants to correct me, Jason at makingchips.com. There you go. So one of the more important subjects that we're going to explore in the future, probably over multiple episodes, is cybersecurity. Yes. Or more Big specifically deal. from what I've seen is hacking as a business. Mm-hmm. So I have seen some big, big companies in manufacturing, names that the metalworking nation would recognize, where their servers have been hacked and they've been held ransom for millions. Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. And it's disgusting. And these people that are hackers, they really see themselves as businessmen. For example, I have a story of how one of, you know, one of these big brands, they got hacked. And during the negotiation process, they told this company, I have to call you back because I have to interface with another client. And when he was talking about a client, he was referring to somebody that he had hacked their server and, you know, was demanding a ransom. So these people that are essentially, you know, involved in kidnapping of IT systems think that they're business people. I think we should do a show on that in the future because that's a really deep and I don't think that everyone fully understands a the dangers of it, the disruption. Oh gosh, it but is really affecting manufacturing. Right. And how how to protect ourselves. Exactly. So we do need to talk about this. Okay. We do. Number 15, inflation. So Oh, it's common. It's common. Look at housing. I know. And and I'm I'm really concerned about uh, about how that inflation is going to yeah. you know affect us. I mean, just the the government spending government spending too. Well, I know what does Biden have like a 2 billion dollar infrastructure bill on his desk? Well, I- infrastructure with quotes. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't see the quotation marks. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying Oh, that you're set, you're putting in quotation marks. Yeah, because marks. like how do you you know like how you define infrastructure is well, you know interesting, you know what yes, I mean? Yes, it's so, very vague. Yeah, it's, it's very vague. Of course vague. it is. It's it's poli- it's all political and so Well, everything's political. You know, so like I mean, these are factors that are going to lead to inflation and that's a scary prospect. Well, you know what happens after inflation? A recession typically comes along. There you go, Jim. Number 16, also, Gary, interest rates going up. Yep. It's inevitable. I was watching a segment on the Dave Ramsey show, and he was talking about interest rates coming, and he was talking about like the 80s when interest rates were in the teens. And I remember- Dude, 
my first condo, my mortgage, I had a I got really lucky and I got eleven point nine percent three year balloon mortgage on my first condo. Exactly. And I remember when my dad used to tell me about those times, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, that'll never happen. But you know what? It does seem really out of touch right now with because we've been we've been in less than five for right. quite a quite a few years now. But you know, can it be controlled a little bit better nowadays? Yeah, I would hope so. I hope so. But I mean, you know, it's something to think about as you go into debt and borrow money and everything. Number 17, and we've talked about this subject on the show quite a few times, but near sourcing. So that whole notion of manufacturing coming back to more of a localized environment, whether that's local, say, Chicago, or whether that's local yeah. the United States, or whether that's local yeah. North America. Yeah. Um, but that near sourcing trend is, you know, is happening. I was really high on near sourcing and I thought it was going to be a really big paradigm shift, especially since COVID and all that, all of that. But sometimes it doesn't have a disruption. Yeah. I, I just don't know yet. I, I don't know if we as consumers are ready to pay more for products just because they're near sourced or they're domestically sourced. Well, the question is, would we have to pay more? Yes. You know, so, or can we get more efficient? Almost for sure. I don't think we can get that efficient. Well, and and maybe some of this stuff relates to like the inflation and everything. Yeah, that, that I'm very curious to see how and where that goes in the next few years. Okay, so number 18, the next problem on our horizon. So I really think- Hold me like another pandemic. Like kind of like the next political problem that we have to deal with after you know a lot of the stuff that happened during 2020. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the next problems that our politicians are going to start shifting towards is you know the environment or global warming. Yeah, that's a big deal. It, it really means a lot to the millennials too. They, they are very concerned about it. They take it very seriously. And it, yeah, it, it can be a problem. And, and and one of the reasons why I think that it's going to affect manufacturing is it it's I think it's related to the goods that we manufacture. You know, as as far as you know, what what are the new types of products that we're going to be producing and not producing? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think all those things need to be evaluated. You know, sure. are people going to you know try to hold on to manufactured goods for longer periods of time, or are you going to be able to specialize in manufacturing products that are related to you know clean energy and stuff like that? I'm already seeing a lot of our clients are really, you know, getting involved in clean energy manufacturing, whether that's windmills or, or, or whatever else, but it's, it's definitely the next political problem that's going to be happening. Number 19, raw material problems. I think that you're already starting to see that, aren't yep. you? Well, I'm not so much because I don't buy material and tonnage. Right. What I'm hearing from my peers who do is A, prices are soaring, B, deliveries are going way out. And I would have to agree that at the lower volumes that I buy, I'm not really seeing raw material prices going up, but I am seeing a significant increase in lead times. No question. But there's also, you know, like the notion of there's materials that you, we only have so much of it and it's only in certain areas. So look at like something like tungsten. So like it, you can only source it from certain areas and fortunately, like a lot of cutting tools are being manufactured more efficiently. So you have less of those hard to source materials being put into like the new cutting tools and mm-hmm. everything. But it's still, it could 
end up being a problem in the future. And maybe that's where, you know, some of these other trends are going to kind of collide, like 3D printing and, and everything like that. You know, plastics is also becoming a big emphasis related to what we just talked about on, you know, the environment. Totally. And anybody involved in plastics manufacturing, you know, well, that Patricia raw material. Miller. Yeah, that raw material needs to be, you She's know. She's like, cognizant about, you yeah. know, what, what her business does and how it affects our planet. Yeah. But I mean, you also need to be, you know, concerned about it from a sourcing standpoint. Right. So number 20, supply chain disruption. So we've seen a lot of these things. That was last year. That was last year. But it's still happening as people are starting to get busy. Like we, one of our new good clients, I mean, we're getting a great million dollar opportunity simply because our competitor basically went to the client and they're like, yeah, we can get you that tool in August. 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 I've got to ship the job on May 15th. I, no, we're talking about shipping thousands of parts, you know, <laughs> we're on a, on a monthly basis. We're not talking about just, you know, shipping out a part. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we can get you that special form tool in August. And so, you know, this kind of goes back to that whole, you need to be agile. You need to be able to change. You need to be able to adopt to what your clients need. And you can't just say, well, we have a supply chain disruption. Sorry. You right. have it in August. You know what I mean? Like you need to be able to adapt to these Well, people changes. are blaming a lot of their delivery problems on COVID. Have you seen and that? It could be just people problems. It could be people problems. You know, and they're yes. blaming it on COVID. Yes, I you know, know that. You're absolutely right, Jim. And it's because they have a bad what? A bad culture. culture. A bad culture. Exactly. <laughs> so all of these trends collide. Maybe there's drug use. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I don't know, but yes. Could be a lot of these things. Yes. Okay. So now let's talk about the last thing, which let's talk about tools. So the first one is, you know, collecting data or the internet of things also kind of being put into that same bucket. That is definitely going to be a huge paradigm shift. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking about that on this subsequent episode. But yeah, I just, I, what I've seen in the last three years and data collection and how we take that data and disseminate it to ourselves, to our customers, to our vendors, and to our employees is huge. We just started using- Are um, you using internet devices now? Well, we're using machine monitoring systems. So our good friend Akshat from Amper Technologies- Oh yeah, they've been on the show before. Right. Can we give a shout out to we Amper? We can. We're, well, Car right now is under a 30-day trial with uh, machine monitoring systems, Amper Technology. And it's it's been really great so far. I'm really learning. We have a weekly update and they walk us through all the navigation of the dashboard and how we can make the collection of that data more impactful. And just to document things that are happening, like if the machine goes down, how can that operator, you know, jump in on the dashboard and say tool crashed or tap broke or coolant ran out right. to well, stop I mean, the machine? I'm on Amper's website right now. What is that website? It's amper.xyz. Oh, that's right. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind cool, of like a cool, cool fun new URL. Their first thing it says on there is goodbye production surprises. Yep, exactly. So that's one of the big things that they that they promote is if you hate surprises, talk to Amper Technologies. Yeah. So go to amper.xyz and talk to our friend Akshat. Yeah, he's a cool guy. So yeah, so that trend in, you know, collecting data and the internet of things is really going to affect things in the future. Number 22, which is specialization. So I mean niche? Yeah, be, yeah, niching down. I mean, I know like when you talk about your business now, you've kind of changed from mm -hmm. saying that, you know, I'm a low volume, yada, 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 that now you're like, I'm a aerospace manufacturer. So I see a lot of 
manufacturers out there becoming more specialized. I know that we're, us as a company, we really started specializing in helping firearms manufacturers. So we've gotten really good at partnering with firearm manufacturers and helping them with their increasing their production and everything like that. And I just see that specialization in the manufacturing industry becoming more prevalent. Got it. I agree. And you have changed your your elevator pitch, haven't you, Jim? Not formally. But well, yes. you have when you're talking to me. I do. I mean, we're an aerospace machine shop now. And you didn't used to be. I, I did not used to be. I could not legally say it. But now we are. Well, I don't think legally anybody's gonna say <laughs> no. Anybody's gonna say anything about it. that's one of the things about marketing is that, you know, there's a little bit of gray and there in is marketing. a lot of gray areas. <laughs> we yes. could talk we could talk about that on a future episode. Okay, number twenty three. I believe that automation is gonna be required for oh, production work. Huge. You know, we could talk about this more in the future. I don't think a lot has to be talked Everyone about. Everyone knows that though. If they don't think that they are gonna need to automate their shop, they better just put their hat on the the coat rack right now and pull the covers over their head because automation it's inevitable. Actually, if you haven't started to automate yet, you're probably behind the times. Yeah. So just don't be afraid of it. Just embrace it. You know, it. just embrace it and start talking to people. How do we automate our processes? I mean, we baby we, steps forward. Baby steps forward. We've been helping some of our clients with that. I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there to be able to do that. Number 24. This is a new acronym that I that I just learned. Okay, here Jim. we go. I'm going to write this down. XR. I have no idea what that is. You know what AR is, right? No. Augmented no. reality. Augmented reality. And then VR, which is what? Virtual reality. Yeah. So my understanding is that XR, well, I know what XR stands for. So it stands for extended reality. And my understanding is that XR just kind of encompasses a lot of these other technologies. AR and VR. Exactly. Oh. So I think that it's just going to become XR tools are going to become more prevalent in the future. So now going back to what we talked about before, which is workforce problems. I think that XR could become a solution to some of our workforce problems. So if you think about why do you want to retire, Jim? I physically and mentally exhausted. Okay. I'm tapped and, and, out. And you also might want to move somewhere else, right? Yes. I mean, that potentially. Well, but just think about how XR could help. So you think about you're laying on the beach and okay. you've retired and you've got some kind of agreement monetarily with your son. And we're, you know, we're kind of looking out into the future. You've got some kind of monetary agreement with your son where, you know, you both have your XR devices, whatever those look like, and you're able to help your son in the same capacity with your, with your knowledge yeah. that you were able to do before in a way that is more real than it ever could be. And it's almost like you were there in the office. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how that could change and solve this whole workforce problem. Yes. I, be- I believe that that is definitely going to be a trend for the future. And then it also could you know, solve a lot of these, You know, we talked about outsourcing. You know, A lot of your firms that do outsourcing for you could also be implementing a lot of those same kind of tools in order to help them help you more efficiently. Yep. Makes sense. And now lastly, for 25, Streamlining processes through ERP and connected systems. As we said in the very beginning of the episode, you never thought that your ERP system would be as important as it is. I think that just utilizing your ERP system to streamline your processes and connecting systems together, such as like what we talked about with you know Amper Technologies, is just going to become more and more popular, more and more vital. Even us, you know, we connect our vending machines and the data that comes through them to our clients' ERP systems. So like all of those connected devices are becoming that much more important. You know, Google, they just came out with a new way to create apps easily. I mean, you could just create an app without any kind of coding now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, like a lot of these things could really help your companies to become much more efficient in the future. Hmm. So that's take a deep breath, Jim. That was 25 trends. That was. That that was rapid fire. That was rapid fire. And there's not one that I don't disagree with. Oh, good. 
Some of them I'm not, I don't feel a strong emotion and that's to okay. them. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they're not going to be as important to you. Right, exactly. But I, I definitely agree that all of them are important. Some are like imperative over other things. And it all depends on your business model. It all depends on what you want to do. How much do you want to push yourself and keep on pushing? Because as you know, as you start to develop your company and evolve as a company, you got to keep going. You there's just, a lot of complexity. There's a lot of complexity. So what I would say is, you know, we've, we've organized these 25 trends that are going to affect manufacturing. Look through the list and choose one that you're going to take some kind of action on. Because I think that, you know, I don't think that there's a company out there that's not going to be affected in some way by at least one of these trends. Sure. All right. Well, that was a good one. We got it through. I hope it wasn't too long for y'all because at the end of the day, the one thing you got to do above anything else is make chips. Because if you're not making chips, you are not making money. Bam. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time.